And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. We're phoning it in. Gary, welcome to Tuesday, almost Thanksgiving Day. It's our Thanksgiving Thanksgiving show. Yeah. I'm I'm looking here at what Americans would be thankful for if they could have it. All right, this is a new survey that was done on uh what Americans think how much money they believe could buy them happiness. All right. I, I, okay, I, I have my number, but go ahead. All right, so the the medium uh, uh, household income in the United States stands at 74000 annually. Okay. Now, that's a medium income. Right. But individually, what, what, what paycheck, what amount of a paycheck do Americans say they would have to make each year to achieve happiness? Oh, this isn't like a Powerball amount. This is how much money... Yes. Income, regular income, income, regular income to to earn. <laughs> anybody, well, anybody have some oh, good guesses out hold there? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm horrible at mathing, but I'm going to say, and and the median income is seventy four k. Seventy four k. But this is what respondents said they would need to earn. Now, I from the way that they write it, one is the. Medium household income is seventy four thousand, and that says. But respondents said that they would need to earn roughly. Now I don't know if that means as an individual or in a household combined. Okay, hmm. to be happy, to be content, to, or to, to meet bills, or how to they achieve pres- happiness. What? The- <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess would mean financial contentment and security. What they would have to earn in their job, not uh-huh. a lottery kind, not a okay. lottery question. All right, five hundred thousand, two hundred eighty-four thousand dollars. 
they're going to be ketchup eaters for a long time. Now, now this, now this is interesting. Right. As for wealth, Americans said uh, they would need even more in the bank to feel content. So, the the uh, two hundred eighty four thousand. Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh. Pad so pad the bank, or or you mean in savings along with what they're well, making? They 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 just say for wealth. They, they as for wealth, okay. Americans say they need even more in the bank to feel content. Right. The amount would be five hundred thousand. One, One million dollars. Uh, deep voice guys closer. One point two million. One point two. They didn't even stop at a million. They just one uh, one one. One point uh, two. No, 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 no. One point two. One point two. But million. that's total wealth. Total that, wealth. That's basically right. that's mm-hmm. that's total wealth. Mm-hmm. And now, if you're if you're thirty years old mm-hmm. and you're living paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. and this the study's out uh, right now, sixty percent of people are living paycheck to paycheck, and no. you're thirty years old. One point two million sounds like a lot. If you're 62 years of age, that's and, not going to do it. And you have, and you have, and you're you're fearing health problems because mm-hmm. you and I always, you and I had this discussion one time. You know why do you want wealth and why do you want savings? You know what is the purpose of it? If you, for for example, if you get if you get to be uh, hypothetically, I'll throw this out. If you get to be um, uh, 62 years of age and you're thinking of retiring at 66 mm-hmm. and, and, um, you, uh, you look and say, uh, okay, uh, I've got 1.2 million. The first thing you're doing is saying, okay, how much, how much does Medicare or Medicare Advantage, you know, uh, uh cover if I get really sick? Because you can go through a million dollars if you have a life-threatening illness, which is more likely after you're the age of 60 years old, that's the entire point. And as you and I have always said, why do you save? You save for an emergency. You spend if you want stuff, but if you're a saver, there's a reason that you're saving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because if so, if you're somebody, and to, just to make it simple, if you're sitting there and you're, 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 um, 62 years old, know you're going to be retiring, and you have $2 million in the bank, odds are you're not going to spend that $2 million no. to buy stuff. No. no, it's, it, no. O- it only exists for one reason, and that's for an emergency. And you yeah. say, well, what's that emergency? It's medical. And so people that think that way probably end up never using that money. They die, and their heirs get... Actually, there was an interesting story, and I forget which publication had it which newspaper had it and it was a man that and i want to say it was in seattle it was either portland or seattle and he lived for years in a one room apartment not bedroom one room apartment he wore this shirt you ever seen an older guy that's wearing a shirt that's a little bit frayed around the edges and a little bit thin because he's been wearing it for years. And they said that's how they described it in this article that I read about him. He took the bus everywhere he went. And he had over $7 million in the bank when he died and his kids were 
oh my gosh, what? The guy ate, you know, uh, canned tuna, a little packet of instant oatmeal. Like, he ate like he was, like he had no money at all. Mm -hmm. Like he was living off, not even living off the government, like no benefits, and had over $7 million. And likely because he was waiting, you know, for that moment that he might need it. I've always said, <laughs> I've changed it, I've modified it. I used to say, old Eric needs to eat. And now I say, older Eric needs to eat. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I look at those things, and it's not even for me, it's never been even about, I want to maintain the lifestyle that I currently have. I don't want to have any kind of gap between the lifestyle I have now as I am productive and the lifestyle I will have on a fixed. No, it's not about that. It's about because we've been through it. I've been through it and I've had to sell uh, assets uh, in order to pay medical bills. Medical bills yeah. And I wasn't going to let that mm -hmm. go by. I had it and I owed it and I did it. So I paid it. And that's just the way it was. It was meant. I was hoping that time would come a lot later and I would have to, you know, and I would have a, the ability to build that wealth even further. Uh, but basically you kind of, you know, all right, well now we start, start fresh again. But I was grateful that we had done at least that. And those are the things that for me, it's always been important. But if you say, all right, I need over 200K coming in, and I need 1.2 million in the bank. Well, let me ask you. For the quiet quitters, let's meld everything together for a generation that says, oh, I shouldn't have to work that hard. Gen Z looking at millennials, and I told you about this article recently that said Gen Z was like, we see millennials working too hard and not getting ahead. Well, they're not at the point of their peak earnings in their life yet. My, oh, my oldest daughter turns 41 today. <laughs> and she and I were talking about it. She's not at her peak earnings yet. She will be. I mean, at, you know, as, as you get into your 40s and 50s, mm -hmm. That's because what... it comes with experience. That's just the way it works. Right. And but the Gen Zers and some millennials and and frankly, some there's some boomers. Look at it and say, well, it, it shouldn't have to be that way. Now, generally speaking, boomers are, are of the age of the generation. They know that it, it, it is required, that you don't just get wealthy. You know, people look at uh, someone like a Warren Buffett or they look at, you know, Bill Gates or just pick one. And, oh, look at everything they have. You mean earned? You may not like them. You may not like their political bent you may not like their businesses that they have you may not that's fine but look into the stories of how they got to where they are well you know i've always heard uh you know you we we've heard this saying which is uh like you better spend the money because you can't take it with you mm -hmm. and there's two trains of thought uh, uh you know to that that look if you've got money you know uh <laughs> like the guy you're talking about yeah uh, live in a 400 square foot apartment, <laughs> you yeah. know, or, and, and, uh, 
you know, to treat yourself to a meal once in a while. Right. But I've always responded and I said, well, you know, savers think different. It's it's not whether they can spend the money for something that they like. It's the fact that that money provides them security. That security yeah. you with that with that money, you're buying security. Now, you may, you know, you may end up dying and that money's in your will and it goes to all your relatives or whomever. Mm-hmm. But the fact is it does buy something. It buys security. Now, yeah, the, the interesting right. thing is you, you went through millennials and, and boomers and everything else. Gen Z, for example, mm. younger people, mm-hmm. they and, and that's the whole point. They don't say at retirement, they say what money would you need in wealth. And so you see Gen Z, which is if because younger, probably more in that demographic living uh, paycheck to paycheck, they yeah. say 487000 in wealth. Yeah. Because if you have nothing, that seems like a lot. It's it's all relative right. because they're not at the point of having to support a household yet. They're not at the point of having to pay bills and taxes at the rate of uh, earners that are, that are older and have experience and are earning likely more. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials, 1.7 million. Because the average was one point two, but millennials one point seven. Wow! But but millennials are in a point where they can see the end game down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know they they've been in it and they're they're saving now and it's like I need more, I need more. They start thinking in their head, what are my expenses? What could it be? You know, possibly. You know, am I going to have a mortgage? Because you you look at that too. Not mm-hmm. everybody pays off their mortgage by the time they retire. Right. Right. Uh, and men, one point. Uh, four million, one point four eight million women, eight hundred eighty thousand. Hmm. So women view that they need less than uh, than men. Hmm. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Boomers. This is interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's people that are now boomers are people that are retired. Hmm. One million. Hmm. Now, does that mean? When you look at the average wealth of a a boomer, that they don't have a lot of money because I've seen that the average what the average four hundred one k for somebody under I don't have it with me here at the moment I'm doing this from memory is like two hundred something thousand, hmm. and so if that's what you have and you're living you know uh, on your well you know you could be a boomer and you could you know still be you might be working part time. You might be working full time, yeah, and have two hundred thousand, yeah. and just say, "Wow, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I could use another eight hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand if that's the case." Right. Well, and, and so it's interesting just to look at just well, to see where people's minds and, are. And on what's that. interesting, yeah, what what because it it comes down to well, there's so many variables here, right? Moving parts as to what you anticipate. At a different point in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And also generationally, millennials, 1.7. Okay. Um, actually, I would tell them that's not going to be enough. <laughs> if you talk about having wealth, if if we're talking about the later years where your earnings potential is going to be less, by the time they get there, 1.7. I don't think it's going to. Unless you live in a one-bedroom or a one-room apartment and eat oatmeal every morning. Um, but then you look at the baby boomers. 
And they were the ones they know because their parents did it. They know how to be frugal. They know how to not spend. And there's the difference. We talk about spending beyond your means. Well, that's out, that's way out there. Now, your phone costs a thousand dollars, twelve hundred or more. You got to have all these devices, and that's what people expect to have. And they they call it a necessity. I would say having a phone is a necessity. The type of phone is highly debatable. Now, wait till you see when you break down. We'll do this next when you mm. break down. The salaries, because the average was two hundred eighty-four thousand, mm. but there's wide disparity in people yeah, as to right. what they actually wish to earn, and it goes from one hundred twenty-four thousand to five hundred and twenty-five thousand. The average was two hundred eighty-four thousand that yeah. would make people happy. Yeah. So we'll break that because right. it's really interesting. Eight six six ninety red eye. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hot Shot Secret, the country's number one fastest growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control, but oftentimes the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel's lubricity. Diesel fuel in the United States must have enough lubricity so the fuel does not produce a wear scar greater than 520 microns. The U.S. is much more lax on this specification, which leads to more fuel system failures here in the U.S. compared to other parts of the world. Without the proper lubrication, you run the risk of fuel pump and injector failures. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep lubricity levels in spec, to keep the fuel system protected and avoid costly repairs and downtime. Add Hot Shot Secret EDT Plus Winter Defense, a 7-in-1 anti-gel fuel booster at every fill-up to keep your fuel's lubricity within specification of U.S. standards and the Engine Manufacturers Association recommendation for lubricity to keep you from gelling. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hot Shot Secret's EDT Plus Winter Defense at HotShotSecret.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. So $284,000, Eric, is the average of what uh, Americans believe that they would need to make a year to be happy. All right. That would bring them happiness, all right? All right. Millennials, now, when you break it down, because that's the average. Millennials, half a million, 525,000 would make them happy. All right. Boomers, Mm -hmm. 124,000. Are you a boomer or you're just, no, just a, too, you're too young to be a boomer? No, right? I'm, a, I'm a boomer. You're a boomer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what I am. I'm, I'm a, in between gener, generations. I don't think there's a name <laughs> for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a but I But that I understand. What's maximum Social Security now if you collect it right now? At what's, 65, 66, what would you, what's the maximum you would make? Not, not waiting till 70, but if you... Collected at, I think it's now sixty six years and 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 uh, and two months. What is it? Do you mean what is the maximum that any person would, right that would earn right? Because it, it depends on how much they earn. That's what I mean. Their life, but that's I, why I don't know. I don't that's know. why I said maximum. Yeah, Probably I, I don't know. Thirty five to forty thousand, maybe. Yeah, somewhere I was going to say roughly three grand a month. Right, because that that would be yeah. So. So if you're on a if you're on a fixed income and that's what you're making, hundred twenty four thousand would be a great figure that you'd be looking for that you would want to make. Yeah. That would that would make that would make sense if yeah. you're a millennial right. and you've got debt and everything else and you're looking at the end game and you haven't saved a lot. Five hundred twenty five thousand would probably be it. Now the difference is women would be happy with one hundred eighty two thousand dollars a year. Men over double three hundred eighty thousand. Wow. We need our toys. I guess. Thanksgiving, Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh, how's, how's everybody doing? Uh, download our app today and you can listen when and where you want. Well, this is actually our Thanksgiving show because uh, we um, are out of here. We After are. Today. Dan Mandis will be in tomorrow. Everybody loves Dan Mandis. Of course, you hear him. If you listen uh, listen on WTN out of Nashville, you hear mm-hmm. Dan every day in the morning. Uh, but uh, we love Dan. Everybody loves Dan. And uh, uh, all of our listeners love when he's on. So he's going to be on tomorrow. And then we'll have some uh, Best Up programs uh, over uh, Thanksgiving and, and the weekend. And then back into it uh, next uh, next week. I told you I was kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of anxious. Not that I don't want the holidays to happen but i'm (laughs) I'm anxious to get into 2024 because i was watching 
Uh, <laughs> Nikki Haley uh, mm-hmm. in an interview today talking about fundraising, talking about the polls where she's rising, uh, including the polls in Iowa. Uh, the ad buy that she uh, or, or her campaign made. Um, and, and they're really, I mean, it's a blitz right now for Nikki Haley. And I thought to myself, you know, all right, what's the situation with Ron DeSantis? I'm really curious to know, and I haven't heard a lot. Uh, you and I had been saying for a few weeks, um, uh, that Tim Scott was out of money. He was running on fumes and that he would probably be the next to, to drop out. And that was the case. But then we started, you know, looking at a, Ron DeSantis, uh, governor of Florida, and highly popular as a governor, um, but really has not moved the needle a whole heck of a lot. But you have to keep in mind, all right, if others drop out, uh, those other candidates drop out, where do their where do their followers go? Where do uh, their supporters go? And is it possible for Nikki Haley to get the nomination? I don't see that happening. I don't see anything getting in the way of Donald Trump becoming the nominee. But they're going to spend a ton of money. I, we, you and I were just wondering, when would a Governor DeSantis drop out? But, you know, he's got money right now, so it's not necessary right now. I think he'll go through. I don't know if he'll make it to Super Tuesday. Uh, again, I don't have any confidence he's going to be the nominee. So at some point he's going to drop out, I believe. Um, and if that is the case, uh, you know, just a matter of when um, and, and we'll see if he's not going to win his home state and the, and the polls show right now uh, that that's going to that's an uphill battle for him to win. And in, in his home state, uh, that's that's a huge problem. And you and I kind of threw it back. Well, do you want to go through that, you know, uh, or do you want to drop out ahead of that? And if the polls don't change, he probably would drop out ahead of Florida. Uh, in the primary. So we'll see. But it was interesting because and I we've been talking about, you know, and my wife and I have been talking about you're my work wife. And we also been talking about <laughs> about, you know, Yikes. The, the, <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> the holidays. We spend you have more- assigned the the uh, the stereotypical gender, quote, wife. Yeah. To me, well, we, I, I we just talked wanted... about it before. Okay, you know what this is, but <laughs> but um, if you do the math on the number of waking hours during the week that you and I have spent over eighteen and a half years, my wife and I are distant relatives, <laughs> <laughs> comparatively speaking. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy when you think about it because we have she and I have opposite schedules, but the 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 whole holiday feel and everything else. You know, we haven't really had much of a fall. We haven't really been. Now it's starting to happen and things are, you know, of course, Thanksgiving here in a couple of days um, and and all that. And even the leaves are changing around here. Yeah, they uh, are. You and I were talking about mm-hmm. that. Um, and so um, that's kind of setting in. And, and now the weather's cooling down. It's really windy outside right now, but it's going to be uh, cooler this week. And, and I'm going to be putting up my lights. You've already kind of done your, your uh, Christmas room at your home and. So that when you get back, it's all done when you get back from Buffalo. But I really am anxious about 2024. I'm going to definitely take the time because I we had the kids at the house and grandkids last weekend. And I just love spending that time with them. And, and we'll be doing that a lot um, over, uh, uh, you know, the next month and a half. But 
then I, I mean, I, I'm just so curious as to where the American voter is. Um, I've had so many conversations with with individuals in my life about this radical stance, but also the radical behavior of this this administration. And even before October 7th, uh, all the radical ideas uh, that they're that they're putting out there as a matter of policy and and. All of these things matter, and I, I really am at the, you know, I don't want to sound like the, the old guy that goes, if we don't fix it now, we're doomed. And, well, I've already been saying we're doomed for a long, long time. But the fact of the matter is, is I really do believe we're at a crossroads. 2024 is going to be a, a, a big tell as to which direction we're going to go. I don't have confidence in the GOP to get their stuff together to get a message out to demonstrate that, but it doesn't mean that the people won't get the message because if you're going through inflation, we just talked about what people expect to be making. I, I wonder how much of that oh, is based on and, inflation. And it's gone up because of inflation. Okay. They, right. they say the concern is greater than before because of inflation. Okay. That's all right. Yes. That makes sense. And and I figured that it was. And so, you know, you, you look at all those things um, and every day and it, and it used to be almost like a hack question. Ask yourself, you know, the opponent, the challenger, are you better off than you were 40, uh, four years ago? 40 years ago. Four years ago, uh, you know, and and uh, people will go, well, no, I'm not. It, it, the economy hasn't grown and, and uh, only inflation has grown. And it's going to be a problem as we if we get to a recession in 24, which uh, some analysts have said. Um, and if that happens, that's going to mean more layoffs. That's going to that's going to uh, rock the boat a little bit more for the Biden administration. But you see the polls now. The polls are coming down for Biden or the approval numbers are coming down for Biden. But the polls are shifting. And right now I'd have to double check. But yesterday at this time on the RCP average uh, in the general election polls, Trump versus Biden on the RCP average, uh, uh, uh Trump was up 1.6, and that RCP average is based on basically November, the this first half of November, uh, through about the 15th or 16th of no, November, the polls there. Now, all of those but one are registered voters. No, no, most are registered voters but one. There is one likely voter poll, and Biden leads by four in that poll, uh, to the, all that make up this RCP average for November in the general election. And then one poll, I think, is Americans. I can't pull it up here. I'm trying to pull it up, but uh, there we go. Um, so when you look at that, you know, things are shifting. You brought the... Uh, oh, did the, you see the New York poll? Huh? The Siena poll, New York? Mm-mm. Biden, 46, Trump, oh, 36. There it is, yeah. Uh, the Siena poll with all the candidates... Biden, 37, Trump, 28, Kennedy, 18, West, 5. Mm. But a head-to-head battle, Biden, 46, Trump, 36, that leaves a ton of undecideds. Yeah. There's a ton of undecideds in that 46 to 36. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time that a Republican was that close and i know it's a look we understand look we're we're the i want to make sure when i when i say this 
This is based on all the other polls that is showing here 11 months out, well, a little over 11 months out, that Trump is doing much. Well, let's put it this way. Either Trump d- depends on your point of view. Yeah, Either Trump right. is doing much better or Biden is doing much worse yeah, yeah. or a combination of both. Right. But those numbers are like, whoa, that, when, when I saw that for New York. That was that was really incredible, and I do think that part of that is uh, the uh, the situation with the uh, with the migrants. I will say this though: when I look at it, um, my, I won't say it's my greatest hope. It's just observation of reality. Mm. The reason that I believe over the next decade we as a country will start making the right decisions is because reality has overtaken the hypothetical. Yeah. Or as yeah. as we have called it before not hypothetical but the um abstract. Ab- has uh, the abstract. Yep. You can't continue to do what they're doing in California, in New York, uh in Illinois, in in the liberal states, the money isn't there. And we are in a situation now on the federal level where you see a trillion dollars now on interest on the debt. We finally made it there. Yeah. A trillion. The public may have their head in the sand. It doesn't matter. What you find out, and economics, this is a economic point of view as to where society is going to go, people tend to act in their best interest. Right. Yeah. And so there's a thought process going on right now in the country that open borders is probably not in the best interest of the American public. It's right. growing. Right. I, I wish it was greater. Uh, but because economics always plays out, which means people act in their own self-interest, mm-hmm. they want money from the government now, even though they do recognize that it's that attitude, that mindset that is creating the inflation that we see today. Americans yeah, right. know. Americans know where inflation comes from. Right. It comes from the fact that government is spending way over what they should, and they need to borrow the money, and the interest on the debt is is there, and all that helps fuel inflation, as we know. And yeah. and yeah. so the, the fact is, the Dem- look, you and I have worked long enough to sit there, remember the arguments from the, the Democrats. This goes back probably 15 years ago. Mm. Uh, raising the minimum wage does not affect the economy in any type of negative way. And we right. said, of course it did. And then they remember yeah. the GAO came out and said, well, of course yeah. it's going to affect. Because right. if you raise costs, you really can't make that. Because of inflation, you can't make that argument anymore. Everybody knows that everything everything relates to raising prices. And raising prices is right. what causes inflation, and inflation affects everyone. So, if there is a hope, I mean, now you do look at it, and I, you know, you, I think over the last month, you can see that one of the worst institutions that we have created in the United States and helped to flourish with our taxpayer dollars without questioning it has been what's going on inside of institutions of higher learning in this country. Yeah. I mean, it's reprehensible. You've seen. You've seen the final result on that. You've seen people cheer in the United States, United States citizens, 
the genocide of Jews. Yeah, right. You know, you've yeah. you've seen that. I mean, you've seen, you know, and, and I think that the public, you think on things that might be more, that, that are viewed as more cultural and not economic. You look at critical race theory and where that's gone. You look at the liberal transgender activist insane movement uh, that's out there. People know it's bogus. They know. And it's all hit in the same time after, I'll say this, the oppression of the government mm. that they were, and I say oppression because they were completely wrong in doing so. Even the New York Times had an op-ed piece from the editorial page uh, just, uh, I think it was over the weekend, that talked about that this is, you know, this, what what they did with schools during COVID will set education back two decades in the United States. Yeah, that right. they're recognizing how horrible it was. And then on top of that, people that were trying to say, wait a minute, Let's put some perspective in this. The government organized to censor their views. Everything is about oppression, and it all came down at the same time. And that's, you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of times people won't change until they realize, oh, my God. Yeah. These people are out to destroy us. And and, that's where we are right now. Well, that's it. I mean, it's like we're looking at a cliff going, oh, my gosh, we're going to we're about to go off that cliff. Too late. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. The, you know the so when I look at you know where the future here on this uh, Thanksgiving week of 2023, where the future of the country is going, it's basically based on on uh, on the reality of economics, and you just yeah. you cannot go, you can't continue going down this path because the people have seen that what's going on is not in their best self-interest. When the Democrats sold the abstract on the hypothetical, it sounded good. Well, you never got there. You know, for example, education. When you think, for example, you see the number of, what was it, uh, Oregon? That said, okay, sorry, qualifications to graduate, go. Yeah, right. That's liberalism admitting that money does not solve the problem. Right. And the monopoly doesn't solve the problem. So what do they do? They give up. Right. That's the reality. Yep. Not the hypothetical. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. 
from the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Hi. Well, I don't think we're supposed to mention that it was the president's birthday yesterday because the White House didn't hold any public functions uh, about the president's birthday, and the reason was they don't uh, want people to right. know how old he is. <laughs> yeah, he. What well, and and what is it? Eighty one now. Eighty one. Eighty one yes. now. Mm-hmm. A- and he's a very old eighty one. No, he is. And the comparison I use, and I used it the other day, was to my father, who's 97. I, which is exactly yeah. where I was going. Your dad, uh, you know, because you, you brought back a recording uh, of your dad having a conversation. His engineering mind is so on point. And, and by the way, you can tell even in still pictures, uh, a couple of Thanksgivings ago, uh, you had taken a picture. I think you put it on your social media of him. Uh, you know, uh, tending to the mashed potatoes at, <laughs> yeah. at Thanksgiving, and it, you could just you can look in in someone's eyes and and see it. My dad, uh, a, a career military law enforcement uh, specialist and 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 law enforcement officer, uh, so he has the investigative mind. They kind of work in the same way, right? Always curious, and and my dad will be ninety one in May, and I had a the greatest conversation with him uh, a couple days ago about a number of things, uh, getting him caught up on a number of things because he's been busy (laughs) and I haven't been able to catch him here lately. But Biden is, and it didn't hit me until yesterday. And I was like, you know, he's an old 81. Um, I, I, I don't like these things. 81's the new 31. No, it's not. <laughs> because it's, it's it's just not. But, wow, yeah. we're now taking it, fifty years listen, off. Listen, a half a century. Exactly. Wow, eighty one's the new twelve. <laughs> Shut up. But you, but you do see so mm. many people. Uh, I I met a guy. Uh, I was at a store, and and we were both uh, standing in line, and he said something and it's like, you know, I'll, I'm, I'll be 84 in February. Wow. And he had work clothes on work boots and the whole thing. I said, wow, that's great. And he goes, I work because if I sit down, it's over. And you know, he was kind of laughing. He goes, I don't want to sit down. I said, I'm with you on that. I said, well, you look really great for 84. I said, you look better than me and I'm not anywhere close to 84. And and it was just a great conversation. The guy was, and the other thing is, he smiled a lot. You know, mm-hmm. he had that attitude. Uh, your dad does the same. Biden doesn't smile except when he's talking through his teeth, uh, issuing an insult to Peter Deuce. <laughs> you know, my my dad. I I think it was into his late eighties that he was still consulting for the uh, company that he used to work for. Yeah. And he'd been gone. And even when my dad, my dad, I think my dad retired at 72. Yeah. And he only did it because, you know, he he didn't like the direction the company was going in or whatever. And it was like, wow. oh, okay. I'm, you know, it wasn't because of, of age or health or 
or or anything, but my father's cognitive abilities, and and you mentioned it, and I think it was about probably it was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I remember it was during the summer, and I had um, I had gotten in at uh, I had taken the night flight in, got in about ten or I know, I can't remember now. I mean, all I know is when I I remember sitting in the living room and and. You know, hey, how you doing? And he, we started talking about something, and he went into a ninety-minute monologue. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I went, oh, now I know where I got it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I'm not. He went from it was like nine thirty till eleven. Wow. And he was just in, and I took the phone out, my phone. Yeah. And I started recording it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I showed it to you know my sister the next day, and. You know, the fan, I think I eventually showed it to my father and I told him, yeah, I've talked about this because you understand, because he would have been, you know, 95, 96 at that time. And I yeah. did, or 95 yeah. probably, maybe 94, 95. And I just said, you know, you have amazing cognitive abilities. And he was, he was, he started talking about, and I don't know how we got on it, but we started talking about his, his, uh, his engineering career and how he worked in rocket propulsion, yeah. at, you know, early on. Yeah. In his career and the German scientists that he met at, you know, post-World mm. War II. Mm. And he went through, he's just going through everything with this incredible, you know, detail of what was going on. And I'm just shaking my head going, wow. And then over the last year, where you did notice a little bit that he was slowing down. Yeah. And they put the pacemaker in. Yeah. And now his heart's pumping twice the amount of blood because yeah his pulse was down to like 40 and now it's a consistent they put it at 80 right well he's doing great i mean it's just you realize oh okay you start you start pumping twice as much blood exactly getting to the cells it actually makes uh, it it actually makes a difference so right right but uh i had a, a great conversation my conversations with him are just uh well i will say this I feel, you ever see the George Costanza where his parents say, look, we've had it with you, George. You know, go live your life. Stop bothering us. I don't want to make it seem like my father is <laughs> yeah, is, is uh, George Costanza's father. Right, Mr. right. Costan- Frank Costanza. I don't, but he's just been, you know, I was talking to him yesterday. And it's like, well, I said, well, I may have to go. He goes, look, I got to go because I got this to do, this to do, yeah. this to do, this yeah. to do. And yeah. I'm thinking... He's ninety seven, and the yeah. and the best thing is, I, I'm I'm kidding when I say you know I, I'm faking that I'm hurt by it. I'll call. And goes look, I can't talk today. Yeah. I got this to do and this to do. Look, I, I'm just sorry. I got I, dad. It's okay. It's okay. I'm happy that you're ninety seven. <laughs> I don't say this to him, but yeah. I'm happy in my mind. I'm happy that you're ninety seven. And you've got a busy day ahead of you. You've got goals at you know at at ninety seven that you've got that's got to be taken care of. Yeah. And so you look at that and you compare it. And, and the thing about, look, there's nothing funny about when you start losing your cognitive abilities. You know, I, I, I dealt with it with my mom. There, there's, there's, and, there, and, and we're dealing with it right now, my wife and I, with, with a couple of family members. And, and it is, it's tragic every time because you're, re, you're constantly reminded when you talk to them, uh, that, yes. that, uh, what they're battling and, and what they're going through. And, and, and it's it's hard for us to comprehend it. And when you get to that age, we are our memories. 
we are mm-hmm. when you, when you get to that age, mm-hmm. the golden years, whatever yeah, you want to call it. Right. But it is your memories. And I was, in fact, this last weekend, my daughter who turns, my oldest daughter, uh, who has a birthday today, turning 41. Oh, I need a nap. And we were talking about things. and But I was reminiscing about my radio career. And I hadn't, it just kind of started coming out. And, we, and I was talking. And it just, it was an interesting retrospective for me that I hadn't really had a conversation about with a family member. And then I realized that I had never had a conversation with her, much like your dad talking in, in that video, you know, and, yeah. and like my dad sharing with me, you know, uh, uh, when he was, uh, you know, in the Navy and he got on, uh, once he, he got on board and, and the USS Samuel and Moore, um, and they were, they went to Korea, he got a letter from the army You've been drafted, and what do I? And asked his uh, superiors, "What do I do?" And they said, "Tell him you're busy." And you know, he just told me that though recently, you know, in recent years, so many of these things, and it's imperative. First of all, that you know, I think that we learn from the generations, uh, you know, that have come before us. But you know, when you have those, when you have this, is where you learn, I believe whatever it is, uh, work ethic, um, you know, all of these things of, of why something, why this thing is important, why those things are important. Generationally, so much of that, there is a mm-hmm. huge, huge gap, I believe. And, and I don't know what it is. I don't want to say, well, parents today don't talk to their kids or blah, 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 blah. Look, there's a lot of conversations I just said that mm-hmm. I haven't had with my kids with with biden like i said nothing's funny about when when somebody who's elderly starts losing their cognitive abilities what is the humor of it comes from his family and his 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 basically the staff his administration gaslighting that there's nothing wrong with him yeah and it's obvious that there is i read one of the quote yesterday you know what's his uh clain uh his former um uh, uh, you know, uh, chief chief of staff, mm-hmm. who said, "No, he's as energetic as could possibly be." And this, uh, and everybody knows it's a line of horse manure. And everybody knows, you know, that's why that's why Trump came out yesterday. I mean, it's obvious in a political move. Came out and said, "Yep, here's my report. My health is great yeah. because it isn't yeah. the age." Yeah, right. And and they keep saying that the Democrats keep saying, "Well, people are concerned. Don't be concerned with age. You shouldn't be an ageist. It's not being an ageist. It's." Your cognitive abilities, if you have, you know, there are there are some incredible people uh, that got dementia in their 40s and 50s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, and uh, got Alzheimer's early. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter whether you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s. It's are your cognitive abilities going? Right. And his are going. Obviously, they're going. I mean, any anybody who has observed it. And like I said, that's why we bring in our parents or whatever. You know, you uh, it, it's quite an emotional thing. I know, and I think about this all the time, because my mom, it was a period really of 10 years where the decline started, and you really saw it probably the last three years Yeah, where all you right. noticed it. I mean, all I met right. the first time that I would call, just so people know, I remember when I went to um, – when I went to to uh, to work in uh, in in Buffalo to work in radio, 
And I had to call my mom every day. She reviewed the show every day with mm-hmm. me. It's just, you know, you had it. She's like, I got to yeah. call my mom. Yeah. She has to review the show for me. Right. Every single day. Well, here's this. Here's that. Here's this. Here's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. My mom is the one who uh, who told me when I first got into radio, look, you're you're going to be you, you're going to be a public figure. If you can't handle the criticism, if you're going to if you're going to take it personally, get out of it now, because I don't want you coming back and complaining to me. That, oh, you know, poor me, I said something and people are attacking me. You know, that's the business. Deal with it and deal with it now. So when I had liberals and it was really the newspaper attack me, my mother just went crazy. I go, Mom, I I thought I wasn't supposed to. You told me not to take it personally. She goes, yeah, I told you. Didn't mean I'm not going to take it personally. (laughs) But, I mean, my my mom was just was. uh, you know, she had a great critical thinking mind. And the one sad thing is, and it's, I think it's just human nature. And anybody who's been through any type of dementia with their parents understand it, that you realize that a lot of your memories are the last few years of them. Yeah. And you realize, yeah. oh my yeah. God, I'm forgetting about what my mom, you know, right. what she was. And that's that is the sad part when you see somebody go. Right. right. And I remember the first time that, you know, I called up one time. I said, hey, mom, just, uh, you know, Gary calling, checking in. Okay, bye. Yeah. Yeah. And she hung up. Yeah. And that was like, whoa. And I wasn't angry. It was just like, whoa. You I mean, I knew at that that point you're like, oh, boy, you're you, you can't you can't reverse. You can't reverse that. And and and, and, and so you actually lose hard. You lose you lose somebody who was close to you. And and I can't imagine, you know, uh, people that have been, you know, married for 50 years and they've had a great communicative relationship with their husband or their wife, whatever. And all of a sudden they start going. I mean, you see a person. Well, you see a person leave you before they die. We we talked about um, the passing of former First Lady Rosalind Carter and the word had come out. Uh, over the weekend that she was in hospice, but also that she had advanced dementia. And you and I noted yesterday on the show that they were married for 77 years. And it's everything. My wife and I will hit 33 years soon. And, you know, you look at that and we kind of came together as a kind of a Brady Bunch situation, but our kids are, it's exactly like the Brady Bunch. Uh, it, it, our kids are everything. Our relationship is everything. And our communication is everything. But now, and we're not in our senior years. We're not retired yet. But it's happening now where it's just so intuitive, much more intuitive than it's ever been when we got together as kids. I mean, this is mm-hmm. you. So you when you think about that, you know, your dad talking on that on that video, you know, he was talking in, in, in just like an engineer and describing things, but it's also reminiscent. He was, you know, it was about his experience and things. My dad's birthday uh, earlier this year, he did the same thing with a room full of uh, his kids and grandkids and about his military experience and about things. And with me over the last couple of years about things that I didn't know about. And, you know, um, and it was just incredible. And you are your memories. Everything that you are is your experience. 
And it's especially disturbing to watch this go on with this president. I don't want anybody to have to go through that. Because I'm watching it. I'm watching it happen with people that I greatly care about. And I know how hard the taking care of someone with dementia is. And you, you know, the thing is you talk to someone with dementia and they have a lucid moment and you think in that moment, it's like, oh, yeah. well, maybe it's not so bad, yeah. mm-hmm. but yep. that's part of it. And it, it happens over and over again. And something is happening with this president and it needs to be addressed. 86690 Red Eye. Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And and so when you look at the when you look at the the president, he's got some type of cognitive problems. Whether it's you know dementia, I don't know. Whether it's just generally he aged exhaustion uh, uh, quicker. Exhaustion, you, you know, you don't know. But something is going on with yeah, him, right? And everybody knows it. And that's that. Like I said, that's where the humor comes in is the gaslighting and denying that he's the most energetic guy out there and he's willing to answer a question at any time. We all know that's a load of manure. And they said the other day, well, they, someone said, he's a beast. He's a beast, yes. Exactly. Come on. And it's just like, it's Come just on. like, wow. But it's the same thing, you know, when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, inflation is good. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's great. Shoplifting isn't that bad. Yeah, right. Uh, crime isn't really that bad. Uh-huh. There's no big deal. Right. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Um, you know, and, and so when you, uh, it, it's interesting because when we talk about 
uh, cognitive abilities. You know, the president celebrated his, well, actually didn't want to celebrate his 81st uh, birthday anywhere in public because he doesn't want, they're afraid that the American public is then going to be focused on his age. They already are, but it's not really his age, as I've said. That's a misnomer. That's actually not the truth. Where people are looking at is his cognitive abilities. That's yeah. why yeah. That's why they're not, they don't look at Trump the same. Right. When right, it comes right. to his cognitive abilities, they may say, well, he says stuff we don't like and he's mean. And that's he said was that wasn't that wasn't correct, whatever. But nobody is questioning his cognitive abilities as a human being. Right. He is the same person he's really always been. Yep. And the way he thinks, how quick he thinks, you know, uh, his his way of speaking, it hasn't changed with Biden. It has drastically changed. That's it. Since he debated Paul Ryan oh, exactly. in the well, vice presidential well, debate going back to 2012, 2011, 2012. Yeah. yeah. And I I think to myself all the time when I see him right now, I think to myself, compare that. Do the side by side. And the decline is very, very real. You might say, well, but that was 12 years ago. Look at a picture of yourself 12 years ago. You can't, I'm, it, it, they can try and make all the excuses they want to. But here's what it comes down to. I, I don't wish that on anyone. I don't wish that on anyone. But it's especially dangerous to have a commander in chief yeah. who does not have his full cognitive ability and that is a fact you can't work around we're not talking about a ribbon cutter we're not talking about and and i'm asking myself day to day when i see it and because the decline is more noticeable every day and i'm asking myself are are people just treating this like president is you know uh just a where you you put on a sash and you walk around and cut ribbons He's the commander yeah, in chief, I know. and until yeah. he's not, it's dangerous to have him in this state because it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what happens. Uh, you know, if they wanted to go 25th Amendment, then they can. But until they do that or or he steps down or is no longer president, he makes the calls. The only thing I would disagree with you is you said somebody would say, well, look at you 12 years ago. Mm. Yeah, but your mind is better today than it was 12 years ago. Yes. I know that, and and this, it, I'm not saying this from ego. It's just I know my brain. Mm. I've been in radio now for 41 years. Yeah. I remember how hard it was yeah. to actually organize thoughts and put it out on a radio show. It was mm-hmm. the hardest thing ever. Now, mm-hmm. part of that is life experiences over the last 40 years. You talk about memories. You talk yep, about yep. You know, experience, memories. 30,000 hours. 30,000 hours. The process of and, it all. Yeah. And, and, but, and the fact of doing it over and over again, my mind is the quickest that it's ever been. No, that's a great and, point. And, that's a, and again, that, that's, that just, a point. that's just a, a personal thing of analyzing all right, how, how quickly do I process thoughts? How quickly can I take something, you know, just a, a, a random idea out there? Or I can see something. 
I can see something in the news and immediately I can monologue on it for 15 minutes. Right. Because you're pulling files from the past, from your brain and everything else. And so you know that your brain is moving a lot quicker. And I always think about that because my my mom, you know, she died, uh, you know, from the, 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 the flu and pneumonia. But it was what she actually died from was the aspiration that came from the dementia that was kicked off by the flu and everything else. Right, right. And and so you think about that, you say, wow, I really enjoy it. And one of the reasons I can't retire is because of the high that I get from doing that. Yeah. There's a great yeah. – because I don't do that in my normal life. I do it when right. I come in here. Right. People, yeah. people will tell you that in my normal life I'm a lot quieter. I'm not right. saying that this isn't a part of me because it is. Yeah. But the fact is, I would have never gotten to this point if I hadn't been doing this, you know, five hours a day, you know, five hours a day, five days a, uh, a week. And probably if I hadn't been working overnights, I don't think that my mind would have developed the way that it did because you are forced to be so incredibly disciplined. You have to be in your life to get to this particular yeah. point. Yeah. And so I think about that with my mom and I'm like, you know. You think about it when you get to, you know, when you get to be older, you go, God, what if when my mind starts going, will I even know it? Right. You know, or will right. somebody tell me? Right. Uh, you know, the the panic that you well, have over I, it. And it can hit. Remember, I didn't know this. I just, I saw a guy who uh, coached for him. I didn't know Bob Knight had dementia. I didn't know that he I didn't. Had, I didn't know that. I did not know that. I didn't when know he, that. When he died a couple of weeks ago, that, yeah. that he was, you know, he mm. was not the you know, the, uh, the the person that he was, and right. this is one of his assistant coaches that used to work for him, mm. that had talked about it, and that was the first I heard. Remember, Pat Summit, who coached Tennessee. Yeah. You know, probably yeah. one of the best basketball minds ever. Right. When she died, I mean, she, I think, was it uh, 2012 and by 2016? Yeah. You know, she was, uh, you know, she died within within four years. Right. And when she had the early onset uh uh, Alzheimer's she still coached for a while yeah and then she retired yeah. the next year right and then you go down pretty quick and that's the thing that you realize now some can be drawn out my mom's seem to be drawn out mm. longer mm -hmm. than a lot of people who might have had dementia it was mm. over uh, a 10-year period and she still was not completely out of it Right. She never got yeah. to the point where she didn't know anybody and was scared. Right, right. She yeah. always yeah. knew me. She forgot my father once in a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, but she never forgot. She never forgot me. Mm. And in fact, a month and a half uh, before she died was one of the times. And I love telling the story because it brought great joy. I, I was, you know, there was a schedule. I was always coming back and I had a wedding I had to go to. So the normal time I was coming back and it would have been President's Day of 2020. Because mm. of the three-day weekend, I was going to fly back in. And this was late January. I came in late January just for a quick weekend yeah. instead of there. And I told my mom, I said, I won't be back. Or I was talking to my dad. And I said, I won't be back uh, till March. I said, normally I'd be back President's Day weekend. But I have a wedding I have to go to of, uh, you know, my old producer, great friend of mine. And all of a sudden, I hear in the background, you know, my mom's behind me as I'm talking to my dad. Because she was sitting on one chair my dad's mm. on the other. And she said, oh. You go to a wedding for a friend of yours, but you won't come and visit your mother. <laughs> oh, my heart yeah. sank. Yeah. I mean, it sank. Yeah. And I turned around, and she had this grin on her face. Yeah. Yeah. And it was complete and total sarcasm. Well, and, and that moment of clarity, which was 
her teasing me. Yeah, yeah. I burst out into laughter. I go, "You're playing me." She goes, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. And 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 so you get that, and then you have you get this great hope that, and you know it's not there, but there still is that hope. Wow, can this be reversed? Because yeah. she had that yeah. moment of clarity where she remembered that you know her that she could be as sarcastic as she wanted and she could play me at any time by doing those kind of things and she did it and so and so when you go through it when you see somebody's cognitive abilities go you know it and with Biden you yeah. know it well and and here's the thing too is that it is there is no doubt being president is a stressful job and that condition uh can uh be accelerated by uh, that type of stress and 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 a number of things uh, i've said a number of times uh maybe not recently but international trips for someone that of, of that age even on an air force one you know with 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 the time change and everything else and being jet lagged and all of that that that's going to be you know that that has i think been very very hard for him it's it's i think it's apparent um, but the fact that he's, you know, on the weekends, he takes every weekend off most every weekend he takes off. And, and those are the things that you look at it's, and it becomes especially dangerous for a nation, you know, um, that's the greatest concern because there is protocol. And as I said a moment ago, He's commander-in-chief. If he calls it, it has to happen. And I question his ability to call it. Yep, so do I. Uh, and, and for whatever is going on, and of course we also get into the hunter side of things, and I have questioned whether or not this president is compromised. And those are very real concerns and it's you know you look at it over and over again one of my lanes of curiosity for 24 is how biden is going to campaign he got away with it in 2020 because they hit him in the basement they're kind of doing that now with taking weekends off and vacations and keeping the media at bay but I wonder if they how he's going to get. I'm curious to see what the campaigning is going to be like in 24, and if there will even be debates during the general election cycle. I I really doubt it. I I have my doubts. You know the uh, commission, the commission on presidential debates, uh, announced that uh, they want three of them again. Yeah, and it, yeah. was that, that yeah. was I think it was just yesterday or the day yeah. before. Yeah, and it was like <laughs> that may never happen. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it will. I don't think it will. I don't. I, I don't I really see it don't think, I, don't, I don't know if I, if, I, if if it's no. I don't think that Biden will want to debate anybody, right? Whether I, that, it's Trump or whoever, exactly. And they'll make a lame excuse. They'll come up with something. But if you put him on a debate stage, when it's just two people, and one of them is Donald Trump, who will say anything. And have you up against the ropes. I mean, comedian Shane Gillis talks about that. Man, the debates were, he didn't vote for Trump, but the debates, oh my gosh, it was crazy. 
But if you think about that, the, that dynamic, mm-hmm. Donald Trump versus the current version or a year from now almost. And who knows what the further decline might be of his of his mental state and cognitive state. He's not going to be able to take on a Donald Trump. And you can't bring notes you, onto that stage. You you saw where his aides, that they're trying to do everything where he now, over the next year, will not be walking anywhere. Right. They yeah. don't want him walking. Well, it's, it's again, they don't it's want Shane the, Gillis. He's yeah, doing the Roomba. They don't want the image of him walking. They and, and, you, and, and I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, but that's followed by the fact that he can't keep a coherent thought in his head. Yeah. And and even read a teleprompter or say something that makes sense for a minute or two, right? That and and so the him walking or shuffling, yeah, only uh, amplifies the fact that he can't communicate a message right. effectively, right? And it's it isn't good. Eight six six ninety red eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. And every day there's something in the paper. I mean, yesterday that he was confusing pop stars. You saw that one, yeah, right? Yeah. With, uh, Biden. Uh, I mean, there are so many. Taylor Swift with right. Britney and right. Beyonce. Yeah. And, and it's, I, it's like he doesn't know what's what. And, and so, and he's trying to get in, you know, it's the, that's the other thing too. They're, you know, they're saying, well, he needs to become more hip to the young people. Don't. That's even, impossible. Don't, don't even attempt it. Yeah. Don't even attempt it uh just focus on trying to do the job but the fact of the matter is is that it's apparent that he cannot focus and that should be a great concern to everyone what is also part of that same concern is all of the people surrounding him that are a, making that happen, this whole weekend at Bernie's presidency that we're going through here, and it makes you question who's making decisions because they can't be in charge as long as he's president. He's commander-in-chief, and there's no doubt that it's taking pretty much everybody or are they just saying, look, we're just not going to address it and we'll just do our job and go home at 5 o'clock. He goes home on the weekend. I, I don't know. Maybe that's why there's so much chaos right now, because nobody's at the wheel. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. A couple of days away from Thanksgiving. All right. This is uh, our last show. I am doing something uh, different, though. I think I did it last year, too. What What are you doing? Well, normally, remember, there were two days that I would leave the show early. Yeah. Yeah. And it right. was always Mother's Day when my mom was alive so I could get in there because I norm- that normally that, wasn't that a three-day weekend. Morning. That yeah. Friday morning. Mm-hmm. You let me out of here at 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Thanksgiving when I'd leave at, uh, at uh, 3 in the morning so i catch the 5 o'clock flight, which then went to Charlotte and then Charlotte to Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. And I get in by like 11, 1130. And it was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they don't have those same flights anymore. Uh, now, I could I, I could get in, but it's like I would have to leave. I wouldn't have to leave here at three. It's like 715 to Philadelphia, sit there for three hours, then Philadelphia to Buffalo, get in like at four in the afternoon and I'm up all day. Right. I just yeah. don't I just can't do that it's, anymore. It's really hard. Yeah. I can't be up. So especially uh, with traveling. You know, when you're doing that and traveling, you know, I mean, it's not it's not the same kind of international uh, travel jet lag. But when you're working overnights and then you travel yes. all day, yeah. it's like, wow. And and so what I'm what I'm doing now is uh, uh, go home, go to sleep, take care of a bunch of stuff, head to the airport uh, late afternoon, uh, like 730 flight out, get in 1130. Yeah. Direct, direct, direct yeah. nonstop. Yeah. So, yeah. It's funny because I always say direct flight. And people go, it's not direct, it's nonstop. Is that the same? Well, I, you know. I, you are, know. They, are they saying it's not direct because what they do is first they travel northwest at 42.2 degrees. And then, <laughs> I don't know why well, I'm I doing just, a Brian was, Regan so, imitation so of I, that voice. So but. I say direct nonstop now to cover the, yeah. the whole basis. It, it takes off from Dallas and goes to Buffalo. <laughs> How long is is a nonstop flight from here to there? Depends on the jet stream. Uh, uh, normally, it's longer coming back. Yeah. Uh, we, we, you know, last time I, yeah, it was the last time I flew. We caught the jet stream. You've been hearing about the jet stream when you cross the Atlantic going towards uh, Europe. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Right. There, there were some planes close to the speed of sound. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, but <laughs> when I went to Buffalo last time, it was the fastest because I have the flight radar app on my phone, which yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's just awesome. Right. You can but what I love is it it you know, it's tracking the plane and at the same time your phone GPS. Right. So yeah. one's behind the other and you say, all of a sudden you're looking, you go, Well, there's my plane. Oh geez, I'm about uh a mile behind my plane here. <laughs> Or look, I'm in front of my plane. Yeah. How did I do that? So that that's neat to <laughs> to look at. That. And then when you see how many planes, because until you zoom in on your own, right? And you see how many planes are in the air at any time, even now. And and the funny thing is, the planes are a lot bigger. Just to show you, where, and you're like, how come everybody isn't crashing into each other? It's like, right. well, yeah. the planes, the the plane size relative to the size of the country <laughs> is a little bit exaggerated. The plane size is probably a thousand times larger, right? Uh, but 
yeah, so that's I'm making it uh, easy and you know just. Uh, and again, what time is it's later in the afternoon when you leave? Yeah, seven thirty. Like 730. oh, yeah, I, okay. it, yeah, I'm leaving. Right. It's a later flight. It's it's a later flight now. But uh, last year, I believe I took that they had the noon flight. They didn't have the direct noon flight. Mm. This year they've. Uh, because they've cut back by by the way on routes, or you know, they, you know, they'll, they'll have it again next year. But I travel mostly uh, for work, you know, for the show, uh, going to uh, trucking shows, and there are a couple of destinations. Well, actually, uh, every destination, the routes have changed, and it's the flights have changed. So it used to be where uh, going to the uh, the the Iowa show at the Iowa 80 in the summer, there used to be a Saturday evening flight coming home, which is important because if, if I can get home Saturday evening, uh, the, the show there ends early afternoon Saturday. And I have just enough time to get there back in the day when they had that flight, then I can rest all night. And then, cause Sunday is a work day for us, you know, to get mm-hmm. ready for the show. Right. Uh, but uh, they've taken that out and, and that's, you know, been the case with uh, most every show. Yeah, the routes are changing, and I, you know, I don't do a lot of. Uh, it's vacation travel when I do travel uh, by air. Everything else is by by vehicle, and I'm loving driving. You know, um, I'm always in a. I'm always anxious to get there. I'm always. I'm the one driving, and I'm asking myself, are we there yet? Um, you know, but when you relax a little bit, especially this time of year, and you can see a little bit of the fall colors and take your time, it's mm-hmm. it's nice. Yeah, it's it's really nice. Yeah, yeah so, so uh, this way, because otherwise I'm exhausted. And that day is a waste anyway. When you work overnight yeah, and catch yeah. a flight and you don't, you're, you're you know, but you don't sleep for 24, 25, 26 yeah. hours. Yeah. You're useless for the time that you're in town anyway, so right. yeah. you might as well feel great and feel great the entire time. And uh, I'll sleep. I'll probably sleep on the plane a little bit anyway. So yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, no, it'll it'll be a piece of cake, and so it's all it's all good. All right, getting to some of the news. Mm. I have to ask the question: mm. Are the poll numbers so bad? Are, are members of the administration just giving up? Oh, I'm going to play a couple of audio cuts here. Mm. This one's from uh, Janet Yellen. I mean, she's still trying to convince everybody that, you know, that we just don't understand, you know, how great the economy is. But right, yeah. I just I, when I, a couple of audio cuts, one of her and a couple of Green Jean-Pierre, I'm like, they just given up. They just like, oh, look, just why, why should we even try? Mm-hmm. Here's this part. Here uh, a recent poll by The New York Times and uh, Siena College finding 59 percent of voters under 30 rate the economy as poor. So. You know, philosophically and sort of intellectually, you can look at a lot of these numbers and say, "This man, this is a, a great economy in so many ways on a relative basis to history and the like. But at the same time, you have poll numbers and others saying that they don't feel it. Yeah, I'm aware of that. And I think it's our job to um, explain to Americans what President Biden has done to improve the economy. A lot of excitement there. Uh, uh, I want to yeah. get to a Kareem Jean-Pierre because this is the one that really got to me where I'm like, oh, you're just you're just giving up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let me get to it here. Uh, okay, here we go. This this is the one here where she's asked this question. Here we go. The polls that show that the electorate at large and also uh, significant majorities within the Democratic Party believe uh, that the president is too old. The polls that show the American people and also significant majorities within the Democratic Party don't want him to run again. And the polls that show his handling of the economy, foreign policy, all of these dismal polls, his job approval ratings, um, does the White House have any basis to challenge the accuracy of that polling? I never, we never challenge, I'm not challenging the accuracy here. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying to you is that, um, you know, we're not going to change the minds of Americans. I get that. Ah, sounds like somebody is not just quiet quitting. She's openly talking quitting. Loudly quitting. And we're not going to convince people of anything. Uh, if, you guys, if you guys are good, I'm good. Look, it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, let's let's go home well, early. The, the thing that I noticed this week, mm-hmm. you know, you had the, the one poll, what, about 10 days ago come out? And that was the one that, that started everything. Then every single poll that's come out has jived with the with all the rest of the polls. Right, right. Every single one that comes out yeah. is like, you know, Biden's hemorrhaging yeah. like crazy right now. And especially with young people since October 7th. Because apparently young people uh, view themselves as pro-terrorism yeah. and pro-beheading of babies and they don't like the way that Biden is thinking now. It, that's that's the one explanation. The other explanation is they're getting hurt by the economy more. Because I'll tell you this, and I don't I don't judge it by this, but I don't know any young person between eighteen and thirty four who I personally know who is pro terrorist. No, I don't know one. No, you know, and so I'm not saying that they don't exist now. I will say this, none of them attended a, quote, elite higher education institution, ah, well. end of quote. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> but don't you want to, don't you just want to put on a, a disguise? Why would you wear a disguise? Nobody's going to know who I am anyway. Don't you just want to walk a campus of one of those elite campuses. Oh, don't I, you just want to walk? Oh, there's a campus. There's a part of me that wish I could start over in college again because we, as I've told the story before, we dealt. You know, we always went after the Lyndon Larouche people. Yeah, right. The uh, it, back then it was the New York Labor Party, and they were the ones that were always saying that. Remember that the Queen was behind all the drug trafficking around the world. Right, it was the Queen. Right. right. And the LaRouche And everybody pe- knows it was her, her son. <laughs> it's a joke. It's not true. And and so we used to, we didn't argue with them. We taunted them. We played yeah. with them is what we, is what we did. And I right. told you the story about my buddy Jack who would go up there and start argue, <laughs> arguing with them. I'm, I'm not making the story up at all. My buddy uh, Jack Cummings, very well-known photographer of rock stars mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. He really he knows everybody. Yeah. He really does. He just yeah. knows everybody. And uh, it's funny because he'll sit there and he'll uh, you know, uh, message me on something. Oh, yeah, I talked to the, that producer. 
I forgot the guy was the producer of Linda Ronstadt. He knows really well. The mm. guy that made her a superstar. Right. And I'm just like, wow, you know all these people. Yeah, I've, I've photographed everything. I was at a concert one day. Mm. Uh, this goes back, oh, back in the, the 90s. And I'm sitting there going, is that Jack taking photos <laughs> of a rock band? I'm like, it is. It's Jack. Mm. Um, but he, Jack was the guy I told you about who, uh, when I met him in, in college, this guy came up, scraggly hair. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Old boots, jeans, right. look right. like a hippie out of the 60s. Right. And my first experience with them, these are the people that you never forget. And you remember the moment you met them and the interesting things that they did. He walked up to our table. Now, I was in engineering, and everybody, you know, was pretty straight-laced, short haircuts. I don't think my hair was short, but mm. everybody, you know, it was because I was working at the bank by that time. So ah, my hair okay. was short. All right. And he comes up, he says, somebody goes, what's going on, Jack? Well, you know. I'm sitting here, I got my work boots on, my work pants, my work belt, my work shirt, my work jacket, my work gloves, and my work hat. I'm heading out to the welfare office. <laughs> I love it. That was the first thing I ever heard from Jack. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, years later, when I w- went to work in Buffalo, and I was doing a live broadcast, all of a sudden I see this guy walking up, and it's Jack. We never talked politics. We never had talked about it before. Mm. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. I'm a conservative talk show host. He walks up, he goes... Hey, before you say anything, because of my long hair and the way I looked and everything else, but you know, I'm more conservative than you are. <laughs> I love that because you get that from all of your friends. I'm right. more conservative than you are. Yeah. You, yeah. Are we going to have a fight on this one? Are we really going to have a fight? You want to go issue by issue? No, that's okay. Um, uh, but uh, uh, Jack, by the time that uh, we uh, we were in our third year, because we started out at Erie Community College North. And then we both went to Buff State, Buffalo State, which is now mm. Buffalo State University, I believe. Ah, it was okay. Buffalo State College. And by the time it there... It has become more of an elite campus. Yes, it's become, <laughs> yes, it's become more of an elite campus. But uh, they would be, the Lyndon LaRouche people, the New York Labor Party, would be protesting there and just talking about all the conspiracy theories that they would have. And so Jack would start arguing with, fake arguing with them. And yeah. he would wait yeah. till all the jocks came across and... All of a sudden, he's screaming, he goes, what? You're going to burn the flag? You don't believe in the United States of America? Hey! And he'd look at the jocks and go, these guys want to burn the flag. <laughs> they never said anything about burning the flag. And they'd go, what, what, what? And they'd start arguing, and Jack would just slowly walk off, come up to the wall of the student union that we would sit on this wall, this partial half wall. Yeah. And we would sit there and watch as a riot broke out. <laughs> That's funny. And they're fighting each other, and Jack's got a smile on his face. So, yeah, I would love, I would, I, now, you and I would both get kicked out. Immediately. We'd get kicked out of the, we wouldn't last, but it would be enjoyable. I mean, I would try to find a way not to make it blunt, do the same kind of thing, just be a very, very successful troller, because they're angry, and in they're ignorant, angry, insane people. Well, so I, so I, I would want to toy with them is what I'd want to do. Yeah, if I was back I, in college, I, I'd want to, you know, kind of slide into the room with, you know, you know, it's crazy what the GOP is doing. These <laughs> days. I don't even know how to phrase it because I'm just so I just I'm not experienced in this. I can't believe that evil Mitt Romney. I would just or whatever. I would just I would just you know want to get into a circle and you know it's crazy 
You know, I know that you guys, and obviously I'm older than you guys, but it's just crazy what people on the right are doing right now, right? And then just let them ramble. Because I got to know. I, I mean, would, I would just love to just sit and listen and 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 try and figure out. I wouldn't be able to do it, but try and figure out how their mind works. I would take what they believe and try to stretch it as for go way further than them to see if they follow. Ah, me. yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 what, that's, I, that's what that's you what would because that that would be how you test where they where they are. Right. If you take then, it a little bit further, but then and again, see if they if they're already there or if if they don't keep up with you. But then, how could you even do that now? Because they've taken it to the point of the Osama bin Laden letter to America. Yeah, we endorse Osama bin Laden. There was another story out there about really progressive women saying, you know, we wish to join radical Islam. Yeah, it's right. Like, well, you know, what the hell? Is- it's, I mean, I may not just, be, I might not be able to take it as far because they've well, gone the insane. Exactly. I might fail at this. Well, that, right. They're way ahead of you. You'll <laughs> never keep up. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Friday Radio, he's Eric Carlin, I'm Gary McNamara. And uh, to show that uh, how correct I might be in the analysis that uh, even if I went went back to college today, that I'd probably, because I said my goal would be to make, take what they believe to such a further extent to see if they'd go my way and then realize they've already been there. (laughs) And I went, I went to the Babylon Bee and there's a headline shows this, this girl student sitting there on her laptop. It says, I'm on the right side of history, thinks college student in front of dorm posters of Stalin, Hitler, and Osama bin Laden. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, they went, think about this, the far left went from calling Bush Hitler to becoming Hitler themselves. To endorsing Hitler. I I said think about- weeks ago... <laughs> To the Good far God. left, you can't call anybody on the right Hitler anymore. That's over, Bill Maher. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, we called Bush Hitler and the other guys Hitler, but this guy really is Hitler. And then I see some of these other headlines. We cannot be associated with Elon Musk, says Tim Cook, while shaking hands with brutal Chinese dictator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a great point. And my favorite one, libertarian pilgrims set a sail for Argentina in search of a better life. <laughs> wow.
Two Hitlers all night. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's our Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. We're out of here after today, so. Yeah. Just going through all the different uh, stories out there. A Democratic congressman is walking back a comment he made against former President Trump over the weekend that sparked a social media firestorm. Yesterday on TV, I mistakenly used the wrong word to express the importance for America that Donald Trump doesn't uh, become president again. While he must be defeated, I certainly wish no harm to him and do not uh, condone political violence. I apologize for poor choices of words. Uh, Goldman said that uh, Trump should be eliminated. How do you not know not to say that? You and I were having this discussion. You know, what Goldman's always getting himself in trouble. I mean, the guy yeah. comes across. I, I think he believes that he is a great communicator. He's horrible. I mean, he's basically, what, tw- two or three times made the situation for Biden actually he's, worse. He's been a great asset for the GOP. Yeah. <laughs> But you you see that and, um, you know, whether it's a situation that Elon Musk is in. Yeah. um, By the way, I like that lawsuit. You see that the attorney general of Texas Mm. is investigating it. Also, Mm. what's going Mm. on, Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. uh, Media Matters has been trying to do when it comes to uh, social media. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know where fraud comes into it. You're right. going to have to yeah. show me where the fraud there. There's is. a lot of gray room, a gray room, gray area uh, in that field, in in the social media field. So it will be interesting to watch the case. But Elon Musk said it over the weekend. Look, as soon as the courts open on Monday, boom. What do you call it? The a, a nuclear thermonuclear thermonuclear lawsuit. And. You know, um, we'll see where it goes. You know, I, it's it's an uphill battle, but I've heard he has a few dollars, so yeah, he's yeah. going to be able to afford it. Uh, but you and I talked about uh, politicians and other people out there, and it's like, how do they get themselves into mm-hmm. trouble? I mean, how don't how don't they how don't they know how to communicate? Yeah, effectively and clearly, and we have some experience in this. since you know i've been with you for 18 years doing 25 hours of week of unscripted conversation yes true and nothing that we have ever said has been viewed as well i know people disagree with us but as controversial right where it becomes viral in any way can you believe the guy said that because that's not our goal our goal isn't to become viral because we said something stupid or we had an outrageous opinion that's not why we do this other people may do it other people may want that 15 minutes of fame we don't care about that we care about being we care about being accurate and we care about having uh opinions that even if you disagree with us, you know how we got there. Mm-hmm. I go back to my Uncle Norm who said that, who was uh, more of a, well, I, I don't know if he was a social liberal or whether he was a social conservative 
and more fiscally liberal or whatever when it comes to government spending. He was a Democrat, but he told me that. Yeah, right. He said, look, I disagree with you a lot, but um, he said, I, I, you explain where you come from. And when you explain where you come from, I realize it does come from your position of morality. Mm. And that meant the world to me. And it went, meant the world to me when, when I was there when he was on his deathbed. Mm. I was there when he died in the hospital. Mm. And uh, his, his uh, you know, my cousins, his daughters always tell me that, too. They go, oh, yeah, he always was talking about you. And so that's, that's what, that's my goal. Sure. My goal is to, is to now, and I know, I know we don't succeed in it. I know there are people that can't stand what we do, and that's fine. That's the reality of when you give your opinion, people right. are going to disagree yeah. with you. Yeah. But saying something stupid, and I don't think you or I, knowing that, oh, no, we've got another week of 25 hours of ins- unscripted talk. I hope I don't make a mistake yeah. and say something racist, mm. you know, or whatever, whatever phobic you want to say. And that's because we have very, very clear opinions. And when we explain our opinions, we even put in, <laughs> now some people will say this, that's untrue because of this, 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 and this. Yeah, right. We always, we do that on a consistent basis. But I'm always amazed at these people who can have a much more scripted professional life if they wish that we can't have. Right, yeah. That's it's a impo- great point. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah. We can't have that kind of scripted life. You can't do that in talk radio. Right. You have to basically pull from your brain and be honest about what you think about. Mm -hmm. Now, for some people, that may get them in trouble. I don't believe, and I know you don't believe, that we have any controversial opinions at all except common sense and believing in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is viewed as controversial by the insane left. Yep. And that's about it. Yep. But you don't get in trouble if the insane left is the only people that disagree with you or think you should be fired. Right, right. It's when everybody else does. Well, and and, and that's the thing. Look, uh, there have been a number of things over the 18 years. And, and I know that, I, uh, that you've operated this way throughout your radio career, and, and, and I did too. Uh, you've got to be on sure footing in terms of what you're going to, how you're going to present, especially in talk radio. You got to be, look, the people that agree with you will be the first to call you out. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, and we have seen it. <laughs> yes, we have. We, we still see it. And by the way, we thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to your emails. Um, but no, we, we it, it's, I think it's awesome because what does it show? It shows that the audience, you know, it's not that I necessarily think, well, we should only have like-minded people. Actually, it'd be great. If, you know, if the, the, with these conversations and, 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 and talking these ideas, we can change hearts and minds, but it is awesome to see that, that, that people who have lives outside of what we do, uh, but still do their homework and research like we do because they care about our nation and the future of our nation. And, and that's always awesome, but you've got to be on sure footing. And over the years, we've We've had a number of situations where, you know, you something is going on and 
look, you can't say, well, this this is who we think it is. I'm not a reporter on the scene or I'm not, you know, if it's breaking news. Um, oh, also no, no, the- I, I agree with you. We've always said it, you know, that we're, for, you know, people say we're first, we're first. I don't care about being first. I care about being accurate. I so want to be you. accurate. Right. And, and you know, um, it's something where, and if we have something and, and there's something to bring you in that regard with breaking news, we'll say, okay, here's where we got this information and here's what they're reporting. Because we're not there. And then we wait and, you know, if there's something breaking and authorities get involved and they're going to make a statement, then we bring you that and, and all of that. But on the ideas when we're talking and about how we have formed our opinions and, and the ideas and what we believe our founders intended, it is something where you and I both believe that it is imperative to demonstrate how you get to your opinion and why you think the way you do, you know, what you see right now with the radical left is what it's like. They're jumping into the streets with blank signs, protest signs and anger, their bottle of anger. And as soon as they find out why they're there, they're going to drink that bottle of anger and write, whatever words they need on that protest sign. And somebody, Greg Gutfeld made that uh, point a couple of days after I made it one time, just a week or two ago. And I was like, okay, I'm glad other people are, you know, seeing it the way I'm seeing it. And it is this mob mentality. We're going to get out there. Blah, 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 and it's radical. You see how they feel. If you don't, sorry. If you're not, for killing babies, if you're not for eradicating the Jews, then don't show up at the protest. And these are the things where they're trying to walk that fence now. Mm-hmm. You know, well, no, we don't. We would never. So that you actually are, and you're demonstrating all of that. How you believe with your anger, but you know, the point is, is that you don't see how they got to their conclusion we were talking about earlier going in undercover on a campus today in one of these elite colleges and trying to just see talk to radicals and kind of see what you know where actually where they are try and gauge where they are well our goal here is you know how we got here you don't have to agree it's not required but you're going to know why we think the way we think. And and I think that's I think that's imperative in any situation where you're issuing an opinion, but also where you're trying to, you know, make an effort to uh, hopefully make some kind of difference or change people's hearts and minds or convince people. And the left is all about the mob. If you have a, any dissent whatsoever, if you issue any dissent, they come after you. Think about that. They want to shut you down. You disagree, they're coming after you. It doesn't matter who you are. Remember um, John Stewart on Colbert when he first introduced the idea, and it was actually kind of a funny bit, but he was making a serious point on the lab leak theory. 
This is a high-profile liberal on with another high-profile liberal on late night, but he got eviscerated by the far left for saying, you know what? Sounds like to me that this is a logical theory. Yeah, you can't do that. Sorry, dude. The mob is going to be at your door. You and I, again, over the years, like plenty of conservatives, if, if there's something, you know, they, they will be the first to, to take issue with us if, you know, if, if, if we, on certain things, and that has happened, and I told you, uh, and I think we talked about it recently, uh, back in the day, especially during the Bush years, when we first started criticizing George W. Bush, there was one night where I thought there was going to be a, a mob of conservatives <laughs> at our door when we went downstairs that morning mm-hmm. after the show. You know, but for the left, that's actually a real thing today. Go ahead. Issue a dissent. Go ahead. Call somebody out for being wrong on the far left if you're on the left as well and see how it goes for you. The mob rules. Remember in what which city was it where the city council person said, well, I had to vote this way because I was afraid that the mob was going to come after oh, me. Oh, yeah. And and I was like, OK. She said it out loud after it all was said and done. Well, I had to vote for this and, you know, enact whatever it was. It was during one of the one of the riot situations. And I forget which one. I forget if it was Wisconsin or or somewhere else. It may have been Wisconsin. But she was very clear about it after that. Listen, you know, this is I how I had to cast my vote. And we've talked about this over the years. There's no doubt that that intimidation factor is very real. We've seen it repeatedly. We're still seeing it today. Silence is violence. They'll get in your face if you're not angry. That was that was the uh over the riots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was over the riots. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the as we said, you know, that was the um uh that was uh a, a part of the 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 blue wave as we call it the liberal blue wave of intimidation yep, yep. from Black Lives Matter. Yep. Yep. 86690 red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. In Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Do you have the feeling... I'm reading here the judges signal they may loosen Trump gag order in federal election uh, interference case. A gag order against former President Donald Trump in a federal election interference case is being weighed down uh, by a uh, is being weighed by a three judge panel after they heard arguments in a federal appeals court in D.C. on Monday. During the two and a half hours of arguments, the appeals court judges appeared skeptical of both sides on whether to reinstate an order from the trial judge that prevented Trump from making comments against prosecutors potential witnesses and court staff do you get the feeling that on everything trump's lawyers are attempting to get everything overturned in appeal yeah i think they're working pretty hard at that they should be at least oh yeah
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. It is our Thanksgiving show. It is. We are off the rest of the week. Our buddy Dan Mann is filling in tomorrow. Our audience loves when Dan is here. And, uh, of course, if you listen on WTN in Nashville, you hear him every single morning right after Red Eye Radio. So he'll be here tomorrow and then some best of programming Thursday morning, Friday morning, and the weekend. And then we're back Sunday night, Monday morning for Cyber Monday. And Dan, <laughs> just remember, I was offered... The WTN morning show job back in 1996. You know, Dan, we're starting radio. When I was young. (laughs) It's still still one of the best interviews I've ever had. Job interviews, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I didn't take the job, but it was still one of the best interviews. They were owned not by Cumulus, which is our parent company. Mm-hmm. At the time, they were owned by Gaylord. Gaylord, yeah, yeah, the Opry folks, exactly. Yeah, and and so uh, and in Nashville, that's like royalty. Yeah, so I got the tour of everything. Got the got to see the shows. Got you know, uh, and and it was real. I mean, it was we we did a lot. I I flew in. Um, I flew in, I believe it was, trying to see, I flew in, I can't remember, but I flew in, I caught the quick show, mm. went around the whole Gaylord place, caught just part of a show, went in, because mm-hmm. they, they had access everywhere. And uh, uh, then I believe it was, that would have been a Friday night, I came in Friday afternoon, then Friday night, then, then uh, went to sleep, woke up, had breakfast. Show me a bunch of different things. Yeah. Made me the offer. Yeah. Said, I'll think about it. Yeah. And we had time to kill. So we went back to the program director's. I went back with the program director to his office before he drove me to the airport. We had time. He goes, you want to watch football? Yeah. All right. You want a beer? Now, the entire thing is when you're on an interview, you really shouldn't be consuming any alcohol. You shouldn't? But it. I but, mean, no, you're right. You shouldn't. No, but it fit at that point. Yeah. It. I mean, it, it was, was like, okay, I guess I can have a beer. <laughs> but but uh, right. I always talk about that was one of my uh, really good interviews. Also, uh, when I had uh, when I interviewed uh, for the uh, midday slot at our great affiliate KXL. In I was going to say, didn't didn't in Portland, didn't they offer you alcohol at the Portland? Interview? Yes. Yes. That. One, hey, wait a minute. Didn't Shopper? When he hired you at BAP, like have a six pack on his desk. Waiting no, for no, you? we did no? go. Oh. No, we did go to a sport. We did go to a sports bar, though. Oh, you did. Yeah, we did All go. Right. To a, we did go to a sports right. bar. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I don't. It? I don't believe I drank you know alcohol. What? 
You but know? no, no. But let me explain the one in Portland. Though. Well, I, mean, I was just I, okay. There's yeah. a common thread, and I, I have a theory. Go ahead. Yeah, because well, there's a common thread. I mean, you have to. It's like does this? What we were just out somewhere. Did I say, give me a double whiskey? No, 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 no. 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 I mean, it was always no. no. It was offered to me, but when when uh, I got hired, now number one, when I got hired at uh, at KXL, I was interviewed on July Fourth weekend. Mm. Now, it was, from what I found out afterwards, after I took the job, you know, it was a typical, it rained and was 40 degrees all the way up to the Friday before the 4th of July weekend. (laughs) And then the sun came out. Yeah, it's Portland. Yeah, yeah. So I got in, I remember I got in late at, I got in because of the time change. I think I got in right as the sun was setting. Yeah. And so, but they knew that it was, it was probably... Because it was in the summertime, so it was probably nine o'clock. Mm. But it was it was uh, twelve o'clock my time because I was living oh, on the yeah. coast. Oh, okay. And so we did a very quick dinner, and then it's like, okay, you know, go to sleep. Woke up the next morning. Was very, you know, uh, they brought me to the radio station first. Mm. Uh, and the radio stations change locations now, but mm. at that point they had a great big panoramic window. You looked out, there was Mount Hood. Yeah, you can right. see it. You see the Willamette River right down there, wow. and then you just looked out, and there was, and it looked perfect. And they go, "This is the way it is all the time here." <laughs> <laughs> right, and it was, it was like ninety five that day, and like fifty five at night. Right on yeah. the day, the days I was there, they had the mm-hmm. blues festival going on that weekend. All right, uh, and but uh, we uh, after everything was done, because everything was done very quickly. I mean, it was done. It was like, okay, here's the offer. Think about it, whatever. All right, you got another day and a half to be here. And the general manager at the time said, let's go out on the boat. So we're not on his boat. Down the Columbia River. Oh. And so it's a beautiful. Are you kidding me? It's a beautiful day. He's got a cooler and he goes, you got to do a beer. I go, I'm on an interview. He goes, no, the interview's over. <laughs> Tell me you had fishing gear on that boat no no we, no, we just went we oh just, it's a great fishing river oh i know i know oh. yeah, catch salmon no we just we, we were only out there for about it for about an hour all right so. okay fine that's cool though that's that's a great interview and then well then the next day i just sort of walked around and did stuff and then remember brian brian jennings yeah great guy yeah yeah brian because he was the consultant mm, okay and he picked me up and we had dinner at his house with his Lovely wife, and yeah. Then we took a jeep ride, which I won't go into anymore. But we're all alive. Hey, man, he was going a little bit fast around some of these corners. Great adventure, <laughs> right? You remembered it. And I, I still tell him today. I mean, he's retired now, but I still, if I ever hook up with him on Facebook, it's like you know, I still owe you dinner because I've told him that for like twenty five right. years, exactly. But uh, yeah, so uh, no, that's uh, uh, and then when I got hired. When I got hired, he, uh, that got me this job. If I hadn't taken the job at WBAP, right, right. when Bob hired me. Right, right. But that was interesting because he called me up. He says, come on in. Just just fill in for a day. Because I was thinking of actually getting out of talk radio. Mm-hmm. I had another offer outside mm-hmm. of it, and mm-hmm. I had different business experience. I loved living in Portland. I might not might not today. Uh, but uh, Yeah, right. But... <laughs> I think I was. I, in, I mean, it just hit me what you said. Yeah, it was like, whoa. Yeah, that's a kind yeah. of yeah. Everybody understands where, where I'm coming from. Uh, that, which, I, by the way, is what makes it makes it even more tragic because that area. You've told me. I love it. My yeah. wife has been in that area repeatedly for business over the years, and says it's just the Northwest is just beautiful. Yeah, it's just except for the rain. <laughs> right. It rains a little bit too much for me, but no, I loved 
living there and I thought about uh, uh, staying there. Uh, and so when, uh, you know, so I, I filled in. He's just, just sit in the chair, see how you feel. And I liked yeah. it. I went, oh, okay, I like this. This is really cool. And when I was considering it, I had a call from, uh, I told you, the guy who took my place in Buffalo. Mm. And he called, and he was, he had worked, he was program director of WBAP in the early 80s. Put, Sandy Beach. Sandy Beach. Put yeah. Hell J in there. And right, yeah. I got the message from him. Yeah. You're the biggest idiot in the world if you don't take that job. <laughs> he said, if you get hired, never forget it, if you get hired there, you will never look for a job the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. I haven't looked for a job the rest of my life. Everything just sort of came to me from that point. He was crazy. He was right on that. But, you know, Chomper was Chomper was great because we, we went then afterwards, met at a sports bar because it was in March. It was St. Patrick's Day. It was St. Patrick's Day of 2000. Mm. And and so um, uh, we went to a sports bar because all the basketball games were on. Sure. You know, March Madness was going sure. on. So we meet here, and he said, so what do you think? And I said, I like it. He goes, do you think you fit? I go, yeah, I think I, I fit. He goes, so do I. He said, but I'm not going to offer you the job. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for the trip. He goes, no, 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 no. You've turned me down twice before, and ah, I did. At, at other stations. It did. In, yeah. in Madison, Wisconsin, when he worked there, and then in yeah. Albuquerque, and I turned him down both times, and yeah. he said, so I'm not going to offer you the job. You tell me whether you want the job or not. Ah, <laughs> that's classic Chomper, by the way. I love it. Yeah, what? He yeah. said, I'm not going to sit here and have you turn me down three times in a row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no joke. Oh. Yeah. I said, you have to, you you have to come to me this time. Yeah. yeah and, like and, and it's All like, right. it's like, you've got to come begging and crawling to me. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, yeah. he didn't say that, but I mean, yeah. That, right. Uh, yeah. But I mean, good naturedly, that's, that's good naturedly. That's how I took it. And I said, all right, I'll take the job. Yeah. And he said, well, we haven't discussed pay. And I said, well, if you want me and I want you, we'll work something out. Right. And it took a couple of months. And in between there, I had my first hole in one when I went back to Oregon in Hood River, Oregon. All right. Well, yes. nice. Was it Indian River? No, what I forgot. Mm. It was Indian something. I had mm. Well, my, yeah. And, I'm, never, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've had anything close to that. I have a theory, though, as to why alcohol is almost always involved in your job. <laughs> You're Irish. And they're like, okay, oh, oh, oh. what should we do to lure him in? <laughs> He's Irish. Take him to a bar. Oh, okay. Give him some beer. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's Irish stereotype. That's, I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, huh? you'd figured that they would allow us to have cocktails on the air. Especially since all the podcasts seem to be having you know, all the well-known I, podcasts. Are you saying they, they don't? They smoke cigars. We they drink alcohol. Well, we don't. I don't believe alcohol. Well, you know the funny thing is, remember? We don't remember we were told, you know, because alcohol is not allowed in the studios. Really, I mean, they don't want you drinking. Right. right. And and then Christmas time. I never forget, especially when I was at uh, BAP the first time. They're like, <laughs> I, you know, just the general rules, no alcohol. I think it was just written somewhere, and all, yeah, all of a yeah. sudden. All of a sudden, Christmas, I walk into the on-air studio one time. There's all these gift baskets, all with wine and liquor and everything else. No, I <laughs> came in. Remember my, that? Yeah. Remember no, that? Was before we worked together. Yes. Um, there was that one because there was one, uh, long. I think, a longtime sponsor uh, or business partner of the radio station at the time that, that did that. And then I come into my 
all night studio. We weren't working together. You were uh, still on days there at WBAP. Mm-hmm. And I come in, and there's a huge bottle of Crown Royal <laughs> being gifted to me. I'm like, what do I do with this? And by the way, it's it is not only uh, it is it's not only company policy and good practice to keep you know the two separate drinking and, and talking <laughs> on the air. Uh, it, it's uh, it is law. Uh, DWO drinking while opining is <laughs> a harsh penalty. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I never I never had that. You know, twenty seven years for me. In fact, next week. Is 27 years ago when I sat down. My last job interview I ever had with, uh, with, with Tyler Cox, who hired me for the old version of this show to be on with Bill Mack. And, and then I, he... I started December 9th yeah. of, of 96. Bill had been nominated for a Grammy for the Leanne Rimes song, Blue. And I was coming in as this newbie co-host guy. And that was the last interview I ever had. There was no alcohol involved whatsoever. <laughs> no beer. But, uh, yeah, 27 years ago. Wow. It's crazy. Do you remember, and it was sometime after I first got hired, hmm. Bob asked me to call you. Yeah, I was at the airport when you called me. It was, was no. Was it wasn't. A... It wasn't about me going, coming on the air. That was the second oh, okay. time. Okay. Yeah. It was to discuss because I'd been in talk radio a long time. Mm-hmm. It's when I think you guys were going to go talk radio. Oh, that would have been two thousand one. Yeah. So so it... we transitioned from yeah country music. Uh, Bill Mack retired from the show uh, March thirty first of two thousand one, and it was n- actually nine eleven months later. We were transitioning out of music going into talk right. because, uh, you know, and and talking to America's truck drivers, they were, you know, we, they wanted to be engaged in a lot of the what was going on in the news and everything else. And so we were making that transition. And on 9-11, actually, and my co-host at that time, Joe Kelly, and I were talking about uh, Michael Jordan coming back to basketball. That was the only story that morning of 9-11 and we got off the air, and a couple of hours later, the, the world changed. And now, how long had Joe been with you before that? Because, uh, he, because came on, he came on board not long. It was uh, right. maybe a month. Because maybe. I was, mm-hmm. when when he interviewed for the job, I mm-hmm. was at the lunch, Bob, because mm-hmm. I knew Joe. Mm-hmm. Because from, from the station that is now our sister station, that's where he came from. Yes, he was at the sister station, right? They in, weren't. They in, weren't at the Dallas. time, yeah. right? But right. but I knew Joe not from that. I knew Joe when I had interviewed in Vegas at a radio station, yeah. and he'd worked for the company. Yeah, and I turned that job too. By the way, I realized I've turned down more jobs than I've been fired from. Yeah, yeah, right. I think that is that's like a quarterback's uh, touchdown versus interception ratio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but. But I was there, and so he wanted me there because I, I knew Joe mm-hmm. to make him feel comfortable or something, I think it was. And then he had me, he said, will you call, when you guys got closer to talk radio, call Eric and give him some tips. I don't remember making that call. 
I yeah, remember making. I, yeah, you didn't make that call. Oh, okay, I would have remembered. That okay, because I remember making the Mainly call. Because I would have hung up on you. I remember making the call when you were at the airport. When we were becoming a team. When we were becoming a that team. That was two thousand five. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, uh, Bob was always. He was like, you know, if you can't. I mean, the the problem was with guys. You know, if you're doing another show, there's no way for our schedule to mass, match up. And and Bob was like, look, we want to because I'm coming from rock radio in 96, you know, uh, top-rated rock station to then country music with Bill Mack and then 2001 transitioning into talk radio. And you think about that, and and Bob and everybody involved, they were all very generous in, in offering whatever mm-hmm. they could. Okay, this is kind of how it plays out and and uh, and what you have to be aware of and at all times and that kind of thing. Um, but he was very generous. But, no, I you didn't make that call, but yeah. that – because what, what sits in my mind, because I know I've made other calls before to other people, and I'm mm-hmm. not saying it was Bob that just in talk radio, that mm-hmm. it's what should I do? And because all I can remember is it would be the same thing. Yeah. Just right. be yourself. I can't tell you what to do. Well, and, you can't. I mean, well, that, that's but, the but, thing. Tell, that's a give him some statement. advice. But that's, I, there, I have no advice except be yourself. That's And that's a huge statement because being yourself on the radio when you're offering your opinion isn't easy at first. No, it's hard. Yeah. You're putting it all out there. Oh, yeah. It's hard. It's, yep. yeah, I was scared to death the first time. Yep. 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 866 Red Eye. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, expense receipts related to on-duty slash not driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Shoplifting. You see the CNN article the other day trying to say shoplifting really isn't that bad. Yeah. Shoplifting's always existed, and right. and yeah. uh, there it's being overplayed and everything else. And then there's this story from the California sheriff. California voters duped by reform plan that sparked shoplifting crisis. I just love this going on, how the left is trying. It's like the same thing of trying to soft-sell inflation. Yeah. Inflation's good. Right. People are spending money. Right. Shoplifting's not that bad. Not that bad. It's always been there. (laughs) 
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. There was uh, quite a uh, social media buzz about the CNN column earlier this week yeah. uh, about uh, shoplifting, mm. which was like, uh, you know, I mean, uh, there were headlines of shoplifting back in the 1800s. This is something that's been around. Well, right. murder's been around for a long time. Right. But here's what you have. You have major retailers that are leaving certain metro areas that are closing certain stores because they can't control it because local leaders are changing the, the, uh, the laws locally so that shoplifters get away with it. There's always been, you know, this is the, this is the leftist mentality. Leave the biggest part of the equation, the most important part out of it. Yes. A lot of kids have stolen gum at grocery stores or convenience stores as kids. And then the parent inevitably taking them back and, hey, he needs to tell you he stole this and he's going to pay for it. Um, That kind of thing. There's always been shoplifting. This isn't just shoplifting. This is organized crime. And we know it. And it's on a whole new level this goes well, far beyond shoplifting and and here let me just read the first this is from cnn earlier this week mm. shoplifting in great department stores a shoplifting profession no mercy for shoplifters these headlines could be articles from today but they're from the early 1900s while shoplifting has seemingly never been a bigger problem than it is now shoplifting has long captured the public's attention anxiety over shoplifting is an enduring phenomena and is often a stand-in for larger concerns of cultural, economic, or political change. The figure of a shoplifter may provide for a scapegoat for the deeper problems that are more complex and uh, intractable, said James Welch, who directs the University of Ontario Institute of Technology's graduate program on criminality and justice, told CNN it resonates with the broader concerns about law and disorder, and then goes into the 19th century hysteria focused on middle-class women, uh, uh, you know, stealing. It says historically shoplifting has always had this outsized impact on public discourse, said Anthony Vit- uh, Vitali, a professor of sociology at Brooklyn uh, uh, College, and then goes on to talk about, you know, things being locked up and, and all that. Although shoplifting increased in some cities during the first half of the year compared to pre-pandemic levels, there is no clear national rise in shoplifting, according to new analysis by the Council of Criminal Justice, a nonpartisan criminal justice policy organization. We see examples on video of behaving ba- badly, and it gets invested with all this meaning about the collapse of social order. Shoplifting has also become a politically charged crime that many on the right and some Democrats have exploited to oppose criminal justice policy reforms. This is a load of garbage. We understand <laughs> that that shoplifting may be indicative of other problems. Mm-hmm. And the problems may be the laws that were being passed saying, hey, steal up to $900 and everything will be cool. Yeah. yeah. Because you did that, you encouraged shoplifting, which we started from the very beginning when those laws were being passed and yep. criticized them. Yep. 
and also said the more that you raise what people can see, excuse me, not see, steal, the more likely organized crime will get involved in it. Mm -hmm. If you don't punish people and let people go and don't take serious shoplifting of just $10, odds are most organized crime is not going to view that as worth investing their time and energy. If you make it $900, you're basically saying, hey, go get up to 900 bucks. Go get $899 worth. Right. Then you can have, uh, you can have your, uh, what, what do they call it? Not a gang. What do they call it when you're, uh, when you got your group in the mafia? Oh, I can't think of it. Crew. Yeah. Crew. Right. Right. You can get a, you can get a crew of 10 people to hit 10 places a night and get 900 each. It's a very complicated from, situation. And, this, and I mean, this isn't, but it's the McInerra. But but I I just love it how they're trying to downplay it and, and shoplifting is exploited by the shut up exploited as if you're doing something immoral by pointing out that allowing people to steal is wrong <laughs> exploiting shoplifting you're exploiting these wrongdoers <laughs> damn straight uh, and then and then this story came out. Uh, rampant shoplifting in California's capital has surpassed crisis level, according to uh, the sheriff of Sacramento County. It is way beyond crisis levels, said Jim Cooper, told Fox News in a Zoom interview last Thursday. Cooper took to the Internet by storm earlier this month when he said in an ex post that target leaders prevented deputies from thwarting shoplifting incidents despite the store requesting help to stop the shoplifting. Mm. Cooper said his office received or recently worked with a massive retailer to carry out the shoplifting operation, but the plan apparently crumbled when Target leaders made a list of rules for where and how deputies and detectives could arrest the suspects. They wanted everything outside uh, the store so it wouldn't become news, so the left didn't know that Target was cracking down on shoplifting. Because that would make them look bad with the people that advocate shoplifting. Yeah. He goes, at the briefing, we were told by the head of regional security that we could not contact suspects inside the store. We could not handcuff sus- suspects in the store. And if we arrested someone, they wanted us to process them outside behind the store in the rain. He said, I can't make this stuff up. Cooper, who is a Democrat, previously served in the California State Assembly, told Fox News Digital, there is a disconnect between retail workers who see crime issues play out in front of their eyes and request the sheriff's office for assistance and corporate leaders who want to avoid bad press. Uh, to be honest, at the corporate level, the board level, it's about image. That's really what matters, <clears throat> and it's sad. People have seen shoplifting going on at stores with your family. You see it day in and day out, and quite frankly, the public's fed up. Right now, it's polling about 80%. So the public is on the side of, hey, it's out of control. It's time to do something. But for right now, the retailers, if they choose to, can really deal with it and can do an initiative. But it's got to go back to the voters. National Retail Security Survey published this year found retailers across the nation lost $112 billion in 2022. The figure is a jump from 2021's losses 
of 93.9 billion and 2020's 90.8 billion. Cooper pinned the blame on California Proposition 47, which voters passed in 2014 through a ballot initiative. Under the law, shoplifting charges regarding theft of 950 or less were lowered from felonies to misdemeanors. It really started with the change in the law, which was voted on by the voters, I should say, and the voters were duped into voting for that. It was called the Safe Streets and Schools Act, noting that the effects of Prop 7 were felt immediately in the state and have since evolved over the past nine years. It appears now that voters, uh, Cooper said it appears voters have not connected the dots between voting for Prop 47 nearly a decade ago and crime they see today. I think they have no idea. God bless the voters. I love the voters. But it's hard. You read the ballot and you've got a lot of items on there and you'll see the Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act. What does that have to do with drugs and theft? And that's really what it is. It decriminalized seven crimes, drug and theft crimes, and that's why we find ourselves in the predicament we're in today. Horse hockey, as Colonel Potter would say on MASH. Well, uh, ignorance ignorance is no excuse. You weren't duped into anything. You're, you should be a responsible citizen and know what the hell you're voting for. Yep. Uh, it's, it's very clear to everybody else. Look, but it's, the left has to do this over and over again. Create something that's not there. What you just heard was a complete fabrication. All of that is the left trying to make something that it's not. Because what they're hoping is, politically, the people aren't, that aren't exposed to it directly every day. Because this is where, the, the you know, again, the hearts and minds change. You may see it happening and you see it online. You don't see it in the stores that you shop in. You don't live in one of the cities where it's become horrible. But you know of it. And that changes your mindset politically. Even if you're not voting in those local elections or even in that state, you're still voting. And they know this. So they're hoping they can make it up. Oh, this, see, this is what goes on here and blah, 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 blah. Well, it's just like AOC. At the beginning of the surge in this type of crime, they're just trying to feed their families. This is organized crime. We know it now. It's been proven. It's organized crime. And they know. You get the runners out there, they can get up to whatever the local law is, you know, again, that's 900 bucks. Great. Don't go over 900. And you see them over and over again on, on these videos come in and fill carts and run back out. That's got to be extremely frustrating if you're an employee of one of those stores watching that happen. Because what you're seeing is your job security being diminished every time that happens because the people who own and operate that store have to look at it and say, at some point we can't afford to stay. And that's what's happened. Losing billions and billions and billions and billions and billions. And before they were even, before we even got to the point of that, when this first started to surge, they were hiring their own private detectives to watch what was happening 
with these goods. What was going on? Where were they taking them? And the investigation showed it was organized crime. And through cooperation with local authorities, those investigations proved it. It's organized crime. They were seeing this stuff show up on Amazon, eBay, wherever. Because it had great value. You know, you could go in and look, they're not they're not shopping with a calculator. You've seen some of the smash and grabs or some of the shelf wipes that they've done. They fill a cart and they get out. Because we've created this mentality out there that law enforcement is bad. Defund the police. And the bad guys are getting the short end of the stick and they should always get the criminals should get deference here. And based on a handful of cases over the years. And so now what do you see? Well, we're a nation of laws, but without enforcement of those laws, Mm -hmm. then they mean nothing. And we know it's not the same because where it's really bad is where the stores are closing down and where it's really bad is where a lot of the cities, the major cities, where to fund the police was a top priority. Yep, yep. And and decriminalizing shoplifting was a was a huge political movement. And it's really hard to populate these departments with new recruits when it comes to policing. It really is. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Here's another thing, too. I mean, it's like you knew this was going to happen. We knew when you had cities because we remember when it started in Dallas. Remember when they said, okay, I forgot yeah. what it was. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to take a report on something, call it in, but we're not going to show up if it's it was like this goes back a few years. Oh, it's 700 bucks or something like that it was. Yeah. And we just said it's going to be a problem. When the state of California passed their law, we said there's going to be a problem. You can see these things coming. It doesn't, when you open the border, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's going to go on. Exactly. And then the left contemplates, well, are we making too big of a deal out of it? I mean, is that really, was passing this law and uh, and making it, uh, giving the economic incentive for somebody to steal something mm. that's 900 bucks instead of $10 and they won't get in trouble for it or it's just a misdemeanor? Could that be an incentive to steal? Well, let's analyze that. We'll have panel discussions. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. It's changed the law, but here it is. Hmm. Oregon opiate deaths increase 13 times after drug decriminalization law. That's heroin and cocaine. We have to do something different. The As Oregon reaches the three-year anniversary of passing its trailblazing law. Trailblazing they're criminalizing hard drugs like heroin, meth, and cocaine. Death and devastation are pushing many to plead for its reversal. Duh! Yeah.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.